you're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. We are so happy to have Daryl Henderson Jr. as our guest this week on the show. He is a former Duke Blue Devil, a former NBA star playing for the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Gerald, tell us a little bit about yourself and what influenced your passion to play basketball. Well, I want to say just thanks for having me on. Uh, me and Kel have been homies for a long time, competing against each other in workouts since, since I was younger or both of us was younger. Yeah. I used to have hair back then. He's always been bald. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I come from a lineage of just basketball. You know, my dad was a 13-year pro, played in the NBA, um, you know, some minor leagues, like when he started out. But, um, you know, he won three championships as an NBA player. So, you know, the best example, you know, for me growing up was him. And so I aspired to be just like him. And it turned out to be that way. I played all sports. I played golf when I was 10 through like 14, 15, played competitive golf. But uh, basketball was always at my core. And I was always really athletic and uh, loved the game. So you know, I always had my father there to, to teach me things. And, um, you know, I, I got, you know, inspired from him, but, but tons of players. I mean, obviously, Michael Jordan was all my era growing up in the 90s. And then, you know, as, as he uh, ended his career, Kobe Bryant, especially being from Philly and going to high school right up the street from my school when I was younger, uh, he was a major influence on my career. And, um, you know, so with his passing, uh, was it four or five months ago now, you know, that hit me hard. I'm sure it hit a lot of Philly guys, Philly Hoopers hard just because um, of the kind of influence he had on the game and everybody's game individually. So, um, you know, those are those are two guys I pulled from along with my father. And uh, I just love the game. You know, basketball has been really good to me throughout my life. I've been able to have some really good mentors and teammates along the way. And, you know, now that that part of my life is over with and, uh, you know, I've transitioned now. So, so G, um, Gerald, I call him G, so. uh, Everybody does, man. All right, let's call him G. I'm going to call you G for this interview then. So. You talked about your dad, and I want to get back to you. I want to get to your career, too, but I want to talk about um, – I just want to ask you a question first about your dad. Because um, your dad, one of his championships, I didn't even realize it, was with uh, the Bad Boys Pistons. Mm-hmm. Now, with uh, everything that was going on with Isaiah and, and uh, all, this, all the noise that we heard in the media, you know, did your dad ever say anything or he would talk about that team and how he felt about – what was going on and, you know, especially him being on the team. Yeah. Well, he, he loved the last dance, you know, that was his era. That was like the end of his career. His, one of his last years was with Detroit. He was, a you know, he was like the third guard um, on that team. And, uh, you know, all the stuff they were saying that they were preparing for Michael 
and fouling them and the Jordan rules, all that stuff was real, you know. <laughs> and so they used to, you know, be talking about how, you know, if he goes to the basket, he's going to get punished. You know, that just was the nature of the game then, and that's how they found the best way to be able to beat him at that time. Um, but, um, you know, he always talked about Isaiah and how special of a ball handler he was. Like, uh, he had this thing that he would call certain guys like wizards with the basketball. He was a wizard with the basketball. His size, being able to get to anywhere he wanted on the floor, and he could shoot, and he yeah. could pass. Um, and he had a do- just dog in him, yeah. you know? So, you know, at that size, you got to have that if you're going to be successful in the NBA. Um, you know, you had Lambeer, who he said it was just a prick, you know, and just didn't care. You know, just whatever comes, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But he was unathletic, but he could shoot, he mm-hmm. could defend, and he could get under people's skin. And he knew how to play. Um, and then you had, you had Robin on that team, who my dad said at that time, he, he, was, he was normal. You know, yeah, he, wow. He was normal. You know, he just, um, you know, he was high energy, could defend all positions. Um, best athlete he's ever played with mm. and just, you know, loved to play was very raw at that time and all the other stuff you saw or you see with him to this point, um, you know, came after he left there cause he didn't have the same kind of, um, you know, teammates around him. He didn't have the same kind of people to draw him in. Um, but yeah, I mean, he said that, that was, that was that, that nineties basketball, the Pistons epitomized it. And um, he was on a few championship teams with the Celtics. Yeah. But the Pistons team was different. You know, they didn't have the kind of talent that the Celtics teams had in certain terms on the offensive end, but they all played together and they all were, you know, played with toughness. Gotcha. So, gee, uh, I want to take it back. Um, I, I read that your father retired when you was around five. So he was around you most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, from your career growing up, from that age and up. So he was able to teach you and he was your first coach. So how did you feel when you made that 2006 um, McDonald's All-American team? And on it, you saw a couple of future stars and all-stars. You know, you had on the other side, KD. And on your side, you had Mike Connelly, uh, Lance Thomas, who was a Nick. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how did you feel? And Daddy is young. So how did you feel and you and your dad that moment? Did you share that moment? Uh, that, was, that was awesome. I just was talking to one of my uh, best friends who I went to Duke with and was on um, and played in that McDonald's game, John Shire, uh, who's now with the Duke staff, uh, how special of a kind of roster that year was. And, you know, obviously the best player who's still playing at a high level is Kevin Durant uh, on that, on, I think it was the West team. But, um, you know, in preparing, which which is the biggest thing I think I've learned from my dad over time, is, like, learning how to prepare and train. Like, he really taught me how to work. Um, You know, in the summer, you know, I said, you know, we always will create these goals, a list of goals throughout a year or throughout six months. And we put them down. And then we list, okay, how are we going to get there? You know, here, here's the thing, like, if I want to be a McDonald's All-American, okay, well, 
you know, there's a whole list of things you got to do before you do that. Okay. You, you probably gonna have to get an MVP in one of these tournaments or one of these camps, you know, how are you going to get MVP? Okay. Well, you got to play really well. Okay. Well, how, how do you play well? All right. Well, you got to be in shape. You know, you got to be working on your ball handling, your shooting, your game's got to be on point. Okay. How are we going to do that? We're going to get up at six o'clock in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we're going to run two miles. Okay. After that, we're going to go eat and then you're going to try to work out Kale at, uh, at hard nets, bust, <laughs> bust him up. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, okay. We're, you know, okay. Do we want to play pickup later on that day or do we just want to go shoot? You know, what, what extra workout are you going to do later or is today a rest day in the afternoon? Like all these things, you know, like we, we would literally get a schedule and write these things down. Right. So, we know, I know a month ahead of time, you know, this is my body of work that I'm going to put in. This is how we think, you know, we're planning on doing this right here. So we can say, okay, I put this amount of work in to be able to accomplish this. And lo and behold, I've got MVP of a couple different uh, all-star games, was playing well, had ended up having a good junior season. And then, uh, you know, alongside my best, one of my other best friends, Wayne Ellington, um, you know, we both became McDonald's All-Americans. So it's like a real honor, man, especially because of the guys that were on that team. I mean, I don't have the list in front of me, but we have, you know, KD was on there, Greg Oden, who, you know, probably would have been one of the best players of all time had it not been for his injuries. Uh, Mike Conley. Um, you know, you got me and Wayne, you got, you got a whole bunch of pros on that team. Earl Clark, you got, um, who else you got? The Lopez got brothers. The Lopez brothers. Okay. You got, um, Daquan Cook, who, yeah. Cook, who was a pro. You, I mean, it goes on and on, but, um, you know, to be held in that kind of class with those guys in that year, that was, that was pretty, that was pretty special. And to know that, you know, I worked for it. You know, I put a plan down and just accomplish it. And, you know, my dad helped me do all that. Okay. Uh, so interesting story. When I was in high school, we were same class, graduated 2006. Uh, we were so, I think, and this, at least this is what they told us. This could be a lie. But this is what they told us. They told us that, I know you played for Episcopal in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, but did you also play AAU or you didn't play AAU? I did. I played for okay. the players in Jersey. Okay. So we were supposed to play your AAU team for like an exhibition game. And we were really excited because you and you and Wayne Elton played on the same team or no? Yeah. But you guys ended up, I think you had a tournament, so y'all never came. Mm -hmm. It would have been fun because we weren't good. So it's it just been fun being, being, uh, watching like real talent, <laughs> but it would have been a great experience. But just thinking about that, like you guys were, you know, for guys who we went to school in Pennsylvania, uh, but to a certain extent, you guys were being a McDonald's All-Americans. It means that you guys are like almost have your pick of the litter when it comes to the school you want to go to. It's like whatever you want is at your hands. So what went into the thought process of you and Wayne going to Duke and UNC as opposed to just going together or going uh, anywhere in the country? You know, we, we never really talked about it. As close of friends we were, and it's 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 – it's baffling to me now because we talk about everything now, but we never, we never discussed it. 
um, we probably had we talked about it, we probably would have ended up going to the same school. But I think, you know, we had played together for three years, like all of the time. Like in, we was playing AU together. We was playing school ball together. We'd be together all the time. I think there was a, probably a part of it, as I know with me, like we, we kind of wanted to go shine in our separate places, you know, because, you know, I think we just figured that that's what it was going to probably look like the rest of our lives. Like, you know, we, we, did a, we did something pretty big in high school. So let's go, you know, let's go do it separately now. Like it probably still looked the same um, and be just as successful. So, um, you know, with me, I didn't, I didn't want to go too far from home, right? My last two college choices were uh, Villanova and Duke. And, you know, UNC was right there. I loved UNC, but they just had too many guys over there at my position that I thought that I was better than or could be better than, but like, you know, you're throwing yourself into playing, you know, they have Marcus Ginyard there, Danny Green, Rayshon Terry, all guys older than me. Um, you know, and I just, you know, I, I, you know, what they don't do at Duke as much, what they do at Carolina, they do kind of like a seniority type um, deal where, you know, if you come there, you're going to play. Right. The older guys are going to play, not that they play more minutes, but everybody's going to play. And Coach K is more like, OK, who deserves to play? Who what's our best group that goes out there? Right. You earn your spot and you play and you earn it every day, like with practice and everything. And um, I, I kind of like that more. I have more opportunity to to um, get minutes right away at Duke. And then it was hard telling Coach K. Like, no, nah, I'm not going to come to your school. Right? Facts, facts, right. Tough, you know, because he's, he's a presence, man. And I like Roy, too. Like, Roy's Roy and Jay Wright. Um, man, I mean, if, those, if I could name two coaches that I would have loved to play for other than Coach K, it would have been them, too. But, um, you know, um, you know, I just, Duke just ended up being the right choice for me. But, I mean, Nova – I mean, shoot, I used to go there and work out like at least once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. um, Ed Pinkney is like my uncle. His son is one of my best friends. We've been best friends since we were six years old. Um, my sister went to Nova. I had my, my close cousin went to Nova. My high school, <laughs> one of my high school assistant coaches, right, the year before my senior year, he left and went to coach at Villanova. Pat Chambers, who I think is now at Penn State. Is he at Penn State now? I'm not sure. Chambers. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the ties to Villanova, and I live 15 minutes up the street. I thought you was um, going to. I thought you was going to yeah. Nova. I ain't going to lie. I, I mean, I was – it was – I just it, – it had everything, you know, in play. And then, Kyle, you know, Kyle Lowry, like, all, everybody on that team I knew or played against in high school. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just, I couldn't pull the trigger. I wanted to go, I wanted to go to Duke. You know what I'm saying? Nova would have been like, um, I would have wanted to go there, but it would have been the easy thing for me. You know, I would have been in my comfort zone. I've been like being at, in high school. You know, I had my mom bringing me food and stuff. I ain't really want that. <laughs> you know, I wanted to go like do something new. So. That that's awesome. And obviously, I think if a lot if people have Duke as an option, you know, it's 
that's a hard thing to say no to, as you mentioned, um, <laughs> you know, and being coached by Coach K, the Coach K. And so that actually falls right into my next question. What was your experience like um, being coached by him? What was his coaching philosophy? And how did that help you transition into a future NBA player? Oh, man, I learned so many things from coach. I mean, countless. I mean, um, you know, being 18 years old and, and coming in and, you know, he comes from a military background. So, you know, he, he'll tell you what he expects from you. And if, if you say that you want to do it or, um, you know, you, you can do it, then he's going to hold you to that standard every single day. You know, there's no no BSing, there's no whining, there's no complaining. Um, if we got we got a problem, we address it right away. Um, you know, strictly business. And I was I was, you know, when I was young, you know, that's hard to get used to every single day. You know, I had a lot of maturing to do, but as I got older, um, you know. You know, like my end of my my sophomore year, my junior year really is when it started kicking in. Was the the biggest thing I learned from him is is learning how to take responsibility for myself, right? And we're all in as a team, right? This is all about what the team's gonna accomplish and how well the team does, and nobody's ahead of the team. But the one thing I learned from him, and I remember a specific conversation, was, you know you are being selfish if you are not every day waking up thinking about how you are going to play today and what you're going to do to contribute to the team winning. That's like the number one thing. You are being selfish if you're not thinking about that, especially, you know, as a star player, because your impact is a little bit more maybe than others. Um, and you have a little bit more responsibility than others. You, you got to be on point every day. You can't, there's no, um, as my dad's calling me right now, <laughs> the championship trophy, <laughs> call him back. Um, you know, he, you, you got to be on point, right? You can't, there's no, there's, there's no real days off. You may need to rest your body, but mentally, okay, okay, all right, no, I'm doing my stretching today, you know, or doing my phone roll and I'm watching film. You know what I'm saying? There's no real days off. Like you got to, it's, it's a, it's a continuous grind if you want to be a great player. So you just need to take full responsibility for yourself. So I, as I, as I got older, um, I really start, I really embraced that. I couldn't see it as much when I was younger, but you know, when I started thinking like that more often, just out of nowhere, I just started playing better, playing more consistently, having, having big games more consistently. And, um, you know, then that just becomes who you are. You know, you're no longer becoming that or have to learn that. That's just who you are. So that was, that was a big step for me. And, I, I, I mean, I take that into my daily life now. So, I'm, you know, I'm indebted to him for that. Yeah, man, I got it. So um, we're going to get more into Coach K, too. But I remember when I used to rough you up, by the way, I remember you used to be working on stuff that nobody else was working on dude like when you was like this might have been ninth eighth ninth grade you was doing 
fadeaways. You was working on your pull-up and stuff like that. How did your game transition the way you played? Because you, you, you worked on a lot of pro stuff at an early age. How did you transition when you came to Duke? Did your game click right away? Was that what Coach was looking for? How did you make the – how did you adapt um, your game to coach what Coach K expected from you? It actually didn't transition great because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time around pros. You know, I spent a lot of time working, watching Kobe, trying to be Kobe. And, right, that was your boy. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I tailored my game after Kobe. Like, mm-hmm. that was who I wanted to be like, Wayne and myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, you, when you're a kid, you don't see everything that's going on on, on the court. You know, when you watch Kobe – you know, you can watch all his fancy moves and his footwork and all this stuff. You don't watch, like, exactly, like, how he's getting after it on the defensive end. Like, mm-hmm. and not just playing hard, but, like, strategically doing stuff. And his hustle, right? And on the offensive end, like, yeah, he's doing some fancy stuff, but he's getting, he's getting some dog buckets, too. Yeah. Hosting dudes up, getting offensive rebounds, one dribble, like, pump faking, getting fouled. Mm-hmm. Like, like eating, yeah. you don't, you don't really see that as much. Right. So those little things that, you know, you may not think are as important or you don't pay attention to when you're younger. Um, you know, I hadn't learned, I hadn't learned those things like I needed to at the time. And just the all, the all around game, just like when the team needed a rebound, like Kobe was going to get the ball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was making the block out. He was making the big stop on a, a dude that's, you know, 6'10". You know what I'm saying? Making him shoot a tough shot. Like, all these little tough, small things that you got to learn that Coach K is entirely in tune with. Mm. You know, you're not just going to go out there and shoot fadeaways. Right. You know, you want to contribute all around, right? And especially because I was – the best athlete on the team mm-hmm. and the best athlete, you know, my senior year in the country, um, you know, and he's had some incredible athletes come through his program. Grant Hill, Grant mm-hmm. did everything, pass, rebound, shoot, defend, anything. Um, and he saw me, he saw me in that light as an athlete. So, you know, he was going to hold me to that standard. So it didn't directly uh, translate, not right away. You know, because there was other areas of my game and my mental that I needed to sharpen. You know, it took a few years, but once, once it kind of kicked in, you know, and now I'm, I'm doing these things all the time. Like it's, it's, you know, it becomes your character, your basketball mm-hmm. character. And then, you know, then you, then you stand out a little bit. So Joe, I have a quick question during your, um, we know what's going on in light of this big movement was happening. Black Lives Matter and the take that many of the coaches and many of the other sports coaches have taken a stand. And it was not until I believe Friday, Coach K. During that time, did you feel or were you waiting for him to say something? And how did you feel it took that long? Um, I, I knew he was gonna come out and say something. Um, you know, I'm in touch with, like, their whole coaching staff over there. I mean, when I played with Nolan Smith. He's, like, my brother. We've known each other since we were babies. John Shire, 
we were college roommates and best friends to this day. Chris Carwell coached me. Nate James coached me. Uh, both of those guys are like brothers. Like, um, you know, this stuff going on, it's, you know, everybody can feel differently about it. Everyone's got their own timing with stuff. Everybody's got their own understanding. Um, I did see something where somebody thought that, it took him too long to come out with a statement. And I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that. If, you know, if he chose not to, that's his choice, you know? Um, but, you know, for him, everybody ain't saying something, you know what I'm saying? So like for him to take any flack for the timing of it, you know, I just, I just, I don't think there's needs to be brought any attention into the timing of what he's saying is just talk. Let's talk about what he's saying. You know, he said some pretty impactful things, you know, that other people have said, but, um, you know, the importance of it is who's actually saying it because, um, through, through, through this whole thing, I think that, um, you know, and through time, I think that one of the main things that's been missing is, significant people not of color uh choosing not to speak up right choosing not to put a foot forward and you know be a leader right and you know probably put themselves out there amongst their peer group right and you know say like you know this stuff needs to stop you know we need to be paying attention things need to change so I think it was, I think it was the right thing for him to do to do that, and I thought he said some some pretty impactful things. And so, you know, him being the leader over there at Duke, where you know they're all about diversity, at Duke, um, you know, it's funny. Like you look over time, like Duke has been. <laughs> they always talk about how many, all, all these white guys they have at Duke, that um, people hate because they look just, they look just like them and they feel like they can do like JJ Reddick. Like he may look like your average white guy, right? Well, he can hoop, right? So people always hate these, these Duke white players, but Duke is in a school itself is extremely diverse. I went, I went back to Duke to finish my degree in 2013. And thank you, man. Um, it was one of the most, cool experiences I've ever had in my life because when I was there playing I had on you know blinders you know I was there look school's great you know everybody stay in school I didn't have the mind that I had once I got older I was there for one reason right to hoop and to get to where I was going right I wasn't paying attention to who you know all these different kids in class and all the how nice the campus was when I went back and I didn't have the pressure of going to the NBA anymore. Man, I'm looking around at my, my classmates. I'm like, dang, like, this kid's from China. This kid's from India. Like, this kid's from Jersey. Um, this kid's from Philly. Like, it's, it, it, it was amazing, you know? And I really, I really enjoyed my experience, even though I was in school and, like, I just, I'm sitting there, you know, learning a whole bunch of stuff that I already know. And I actually felt smarter when I went back, but I was older. Life experience, yep. Right, but um, 
it was such a cool experience because it is such a diverse place. So, um, you know, I think for, you know, overall, I think Coach K coming out and representing, you know, an entire school in that way, um, not just the basketball program, you know, it's very fitting to, to what we got going on over there, um, you know, at our university. And thinking about um, what you're saying about Coach K, it, I remember when Jalen Rose was on the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary about the Fab Five. And he said, you, you kind of talked about the sentiment some people have towards the white players at the school. But he said that he just hated Duke when he went to U of M. And just growing up, he just kind of hated Duke because he felt like the type of students Duke, Duke took for their team they took the athletes that were maybe more acceptable, more presentable to the mainstream. And so I think, I think you're right. I think these questions towards coach K or directed at Duke's program are rooted in this. I don't even know how to call it. It's rooted in like, I think for urban black America, a distrust or a feeling as if they only accept certain kinds of players. Um, and so with that scrutiny, um, as an athlete playing for him, did you, did players or anyone feel like that way? Or do you think once you got closer, you got to see a a better picture? Um, you know, my experience there and Carol, I know can talk a lot on this is the game of basketball, you know, Game of basketball kind of, I don't want to say it erases color, but it brings color together in a, in a way that you, that you ain't going to get in a lot of other places on earth because, you know, you're out there, you're playing with five guys uh, at one time, but then, you know, there may be 10, 12 guys on one team and you're all there for a common purpose, right? And so you all need each other to be successful, right? So then the the idea of color, you know, in my experience in basketball is just like, you know, it's, it's, it's so much smaller than anywhere else you can be on earth, right? So, you know, in my experience at Duke, um, you know, especially with the coaching staff and whatnot, uh, you know, I very much feel that, um, you know, it's, it's not that it's not seen, right? Everyone knows we got, we got Greg Paulus, who's white. We got Josh McRiberts, who's white. We got Gerald Henderson, who's black. We got Lance Thomas, who's black. Like we know, we know the color. Everyone knows their color, right? But <laughs> it's really about what can you do for me? You know, what, I don't care what color you are, right? And I, I do believe that it kind of ranks like that um throughout the levels of basketball i mean if you you look how much african americans dominate the game of basketball dominate the nba um you know it's overwhelming it's overwhelming i i do feel like my my experience at duke you know duke holds himself i'm not going to say to a higher standard i would say like um maybe a different standard than a lot of schools and who they recruit, what they recruit their coach K does not like guys that he's going to have to babysit. And that's across the board. Like 
some may look at that as, oh, he's only recruiting a certain type. Well, no, he's, he's not going to recruit guys that are a-holes. He's not going to recruit guys that aren't going to be in the classroom putting in the work. He's not going to recruit guys that don't have a passion for basketball, right? Um, he's not going to recruit guys that are, you know, he, he knows are just going to be out partying and hanging out and take that as priority over what they actually need to be here doing. So if that looks like, you know, he's leaving out a certain kind of person, well, then he is, you know, in a sense, right? He's not, he's not, he's not going to put up with guys that don't have a purpose while they're here. So, um, you know, like recruiting me, you know, I think he saw like, you know, Gerald has a passion for basketball. He's an, he's an okay student, right? I was, I was an okay student. I could have been a better student. I just, I wanted to hoop, man. I put all, I put all my focus in on that. Um, and I was a good student, but, um, you know, I came from a great family. You know, I had a, a great example as a father, you know, a mother and, you know, a stable home. And um, I wanted to be at Duke. That's a big thing. You guys have all these choices, you know, they just pick somebody because they want them. But I wanted to go to Duke. So that's the kind of guys he wants. All right. So I guess to kind of wrap up and, and transition um, this interview and on a lighter note, um, one, of the, one of our favorite questions that we generally ask our guests, what are your predictions for the NBA season? Assuming that the season comes back because we know COVID is out there acting crazy on the streets, so we can't even say for sure. But assuming the season comes back, who do you think is bringing that trophy home? Please don't say 76s. <laughs> Whoever doesn't get coronavirus the most, <laughs> that should go in. You saw them numbers come out the other day. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's, it's bad. I'm scared for those dudes. I, I really am. Because, you know, this could end up being, it could end up being a disaster. I hope it does not. But it really could because... You know, putting people in a bubble, mm -hmm. it, it sounds good, mm -hmm. but if one person messes up the bubble, you know, it's not responsible, like the bubble is compromised, you know? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I agree. And so it, could, it can end up being a good thing if everyone, you know, if, it, if it's not an issue, I would say... Um, I, th I think that LA's chances diminish just a little bit. Like I thought A.V. Bradley was a really good piece of what they're doing. He, he's one of those guys that like, he ain't going to be um, talked about like incredibly, but like just the little things that he does um, defensively. Um, I mean, he's a pest. He's strong. Mm -hmm. He can move his feet. And then he can shoot three. So losing somebody like him, which I completely respect his decision not to play. Um, you know, but, you know, if you replace him with somebody like J.R. Smith, who can still hoop, hopefully, you know, J.R.'s missed a year or two now. But, um, yeah. you know, obviously he, he can contribute. He can contribute. I don't know if he gives you what Avery Bradley gives you. 
He so, absolutely does not. But go ahead. right, and he may he may give you he can give you more in, in another sense. Right. One more. But Jr. can hoop though. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, and he's a champion. He's 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 won championships with LeBron before, so you can't right. discount that. Of you course. Know, you know where he was then. You know, is he there today? Would be the real question. Um, and then you got um, obviously you got the other LA team. I like them too. I mean, they got just as much chance to me as as the Lakers. They just don't have LeBron. Um, yeah, I mean, I know, they, they have Kawhi. Any other teams than those two? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard I agree. You know, I, this, agree. I, love, I love Philly. I love the Sixers. I just. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> unless, uh, you know. We got, we got a small, we got a chance, though, G. We got a small chance. Oh, everybody's got a chance. Yeah. Right. Bid Simmons get no, a no, jumper. No, no. You got a we chance. We got more than a small, let me change that there. We got more than a small chance. Oh, we got, we got more than a small chance. You know, it's, it's like, you know, if, if, if Ben learns how to shoot, <laughs> if there he learns go. how to shoot over, over uh, this quarantine time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, you know, one of my fears, and I love jo Joel, is like a little brother to me, man. You know, quarantine time is not good for Joel. <laughs> it's not good because I fear what his shape's going to look like on right. the other side of this. When, right. what is it, the end of July they're supposed to start? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's think about all the food he's eaten over these last three months is scary. That's yeah. a big. That's a big dude, man. And mm -hmm. that's a hungry dude, man. <laughs> I've been around him, so now he can flat out play. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The more and more he plays in the interior, the better that team is. I agree. But you know, the 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 thing with them will be, how do you, how do you mix Ben Simmons in there with the right pieces around him? You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if that happens. I don't know if they're figuring that out this year, you know. But yeah. uh, they all, it, we, Philly's always got a chance, man, because we're tough. Yeah, I'm just, you know, man. This is, we you know just, just a fan talking right here, man. I'm not talking about Calvin the Calvin have been pushing this. Philly has a chance. Narrative. For months. But he's right, though. Philly, Philly has a chance simply on the basis, simply on the basis of Milwaukee's momentum has slowed. Yeah. The East is, to me, the East is wide open. Why the is their momentum slowed? I think their momentum is slowed because they started really strong and they were really strong. But I think when you stop play and pick back up, everyone's kind of starting like you're starting the season over again. So then, since they started this season really well, why wouldn't they start this new season well? Right. They could. I'm not saying they can't. But I'm saying I think everyone starts at a level of playing field in a sense of I think when a team is hot chemistry-wise, it's sometimes they'll just run through – they can run through a playoff series. Right. Whereas where everyone's getting eight games in, they're getting their footing well, I think it may be they can still win and they still probably should be the favorites. But I think – I think that they just won't have the, the same train momentum behind them. That's all. Understood. Yeah, I mean, I like I like Milwaukee. I it's hard for me to with all these with these other good teams to envision them as the champion. 
Right. Mm -hmm. But right. You know, they they got the best record, don't they? They Probably. do. They right. do. The Lakers is right behind them. Right. So that can you know that can be misleading, but you know that doesn't mean they're the best team per se. Right. But they're right there. I mean, it'll probably it's gonna be them and one of the LA teams in there for sure. Absolutely. All right. And um just to finally wrap this up, I have to ask this last question. Who is the greatest of all time in your opinion? Kelvin Green. Nah. <laughs> hey, don't edit that out either. Don't edit that out. <laughs> oh. Oh man. I don't man. Why are you gonna do that to me on the last hey, one? Come on, just say it. You know what it is. You know what it is, G. You know what it is. Well, it's for my boss. <laughs> gotta go with him, man. Why how could you not? I mean Say his name, please. <laughs> Michael Jeffrey. <laughs> That's right. To me, it's 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 only because of the way he did it. Like he's got a whole aura around him of you know, his body of work is it could be matched. No, it can't be matched. Mm -hmm. Can't be matched. Now other guys hold, you know, like Kobe's got some crazy records that mm -hmm. but a lot because of the, you know the game had changed a bit like they had you know shooting more threes and fan checking you know, doing more stuff and like yeah the game had changed which which allowed kobe to do some things that mj that they just weren't doing back when mj was playing but i mean he was dominant man he was a freak of nature yeah a real freak of nature like who's who's smoking a cigar on in, going into the game Right. He told me he we were talking one time about um you know like pregame preparation. He was telling me like um he's like, Yeah, like you know, I, I used to eat like chicken and pasta before the game, but I I, I felt low on energy, so I started eating like steak and pasta and like tons of veggies. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna switch that. I started doing that and I was I could play 48 minutes, man. Mm. I really could. And then He's like, so like, what do you what do you do like on the ride in? He's like, cause you know, you know, sometimes you know, different games you feel nervous and stuff. He's like, yo, you should you should smoke a cigar on the on the way into the game, man. You know, I <laughs> wow. To, I was up here a little nervous. They used to like settle me right down, man. Like, <laughs> like you should start doing it. I'm like, are you telling one of your players <laughs> to smoke tobacco going into like, are you for real? <laughs> and now I smoke I smoke a lot of cigars now, but then I didn't I didn't smoke cigars. I just it just wasn't my thing. Y'all ain't never play golf, G together? We played we played one time. He beat me, man. He beat he you. Did he beat you? But only because he we went out the day after the season. I hadn't played in six months. Oh good. I'm hitting it everywhere, spraying it everywhere. And he he beat me. But see, he's smart because he knew that. I knew oh, he yeah. did. Had he had me brought me out there a month later, there's no chance. Yeah, Today, he'd have no chance. You're right. Yeah, he's smart. It was strategic. So that's, I the only, love only, it. Yeah, that's the only time he beat you. Only time he beat me. Only time we played, but I'm gonna see him again. That's right. Make make sure you get your revenge on him. 
Well, we thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, your insight and perspective was certainly valuable. Um, and we really appreciate the time that you spent with us. And we hope that sometime in the future you will come on again. If y'all have me, I'll, I'll be back on. I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. I appreciate you all. Over the last six years, I've uh, held a charity golf tournament. It's called the Gerald Henderson Charity Golf Invitational. Um, you know, we've raised tons of money over time for uh, disadvantaged youth in both the Charlotte and the Philadelphia markets and been very successful. We's all, we've always wrapped in, um, you know, all of my friends and family, you know, business partners and uh, tons of celebrities and raised a bunch of money. You know, we've had a benefit, um, a multitude of, of charities throughout time. And um, we're actually skipping this year because of COVID. But, um, you know, we'll re-up next year and, and pick a new charity to help um, benefit. But, um, you know, the, the website is GeraldHendersonCharity.org. And you can check out and you can't donate just now just because we haven't picked a charity. But uh, in a few months, we'll have that all squared away. If you want to play, you can sign up through the uh, through the website as well. So thank you, and I hope you'll be part of it in the future.